Welcome to the Trauma-Informed Witch Podcast, where we'll talk about patriarchy, mental health, creating money and abundance, and how to live a life that feels rich and that is rich. Let's go. Okay, welcome everyone. I am super excited to have Mariko Gordon here with us and she and I are in a mastermind together. We're getting to know each other and she has a lot of experience in the world of money. So I think a lot of our conversation is going to be talking about that today, but I'll start by just asking you, Mariko, do you want to just introduce yourself? Who are you? What are you passionate about? Tell us everything. Well, I guess a thing that I'm most proud of or or that's sort of most associated with me is I started a money management, an institutional money management firm from scratch, literally zero in assets under management in 1995. And I closed it down in 2019. But at our peak, we were running about two and a half billion dollars, mostly for pension funds, public pension funds and foundations, endowments. And I was a bottom-up stock picker. Uh, ran a concentrated portfolio of small cap, U.S. small cap stocks. So I was a real specialist. But what I loved about it was that I really wanted to create a kind of anti-Wall Street, Wall Street firm. And, you know, I learned I learned a lot about, about that over the course of 25 years. And before that, I had worked at another money management startup and a, which also went from um, 2 million to a billion or something, and then worked at, at a couple of other financial firms. So I'm a comp lit major. So my path through finance is unconventional and my career trajectory very unconventional. And I think much harder to do these days than it was back then. I graduated Mm -hmm. from Princeton in 83. I grew up in the French Caribbean in Guadeloupe and also in Hawaii on the island of Oahu. And I'm half WASP, white Anglo-Saxon Protestant and half Okinawan. So, and, and, and then growing up obviously in, in the French Caribbean. So I have a kind of multi-culty, always the outsider view of things um and yeah so I think that's that's enough information to for it to be dangerous yeah and now you're you're what tell us what what you're doing now so now I'm I say doing business coaching or mentoring my clients fall into two buckets really one are people who are in a shit storm right where there's usually there's like pretty they're, they're usually running a business. There are either some legal issues, there's some personal stuff, there's some big business decisions. So it's, it's I work with them. I'm kind of like a, a sounding board because oftentimes you have people who don't understand business or uh-huh. you, you just kind of need somebody who can help that and also do some of the personal work uh, that's needed to gain clarity and to have the sort of energy and moral moral support to to sort of see your way through a shit storm. So I, I like to think of myself as like the clearing, you know, mm-hmm. uh, you, you sort of get lost in the woods, uh, the thorns are like catching you, and you stumble on a clearing where you can sort of catch your breath, maybe drink some water, or, you know, look at the look at the sky, you can see the moon, get oriented, get your, you know, get get kind of figure out a plan for for getting out. And then my other clients are people who are starting their businesses. So one of my sort of superpowers is I kind of see what the entity of someone's business, why they've chosen them and and what it can be. Sometimes it can be much bigger. And some of that is also just really kind of taking, you know, where each one of us is one in 7 billion. 
and it's hard to appreciate our own uniqueness. But oftentimes a business is really, I think of it as a real creative soul level expression. It can be that. It doesn't always have to be that or be run that way. But for a lot of us, that is how we run our businesses. And so part of what I do is help people figure out how to how to start, how to bring an idea from the ideal realm into reality. Uh, some of it is helping them figure out like this sort of energy of business creation when you run it through your specificness. How can that business sort of express itself in the real world through mm-hmm. you with your fingerprints, I guess, through your essence and how oftentimes, sometimes it's hard for us to see see that for ourselves or see the possibility that you can be passionate about five things and they actually, you can express all five of them in your business right. uh, or in calling they can forth go your business. Together. Absolutely. Yeah. So that that's a lot. So it's either like more experience people, businesses who have kind of run into a storm or people starting out. I would Mm -hmm. say those are, those Mm -hmm. are my, my, my clients. Um, And and a lot of that is really kind of integrating everything, right? There's a business aspects, business decisions, but how to get clarity. And then also, you know, that, that if, if you're not in alignment with your business, it's hard for it to be sustainable or to be, you will burn out. I can, you know, I can can testify to that. So, so that's also part of what, what I can help people with is kind of how to, how to make sure that your business doesn't consume you too. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I'm curious about how did, so you studied like contemporary literature. Is that what you said? Oh, comparative, comparative. And how did, so how did you end up in the world of finance what was that path um so not a straight line <laughs> but uh, there there are a couple of things so one is and, and it may, actually makes more sense than it does on the surface because i think doing financial analysis the kind that you do for stock picking specifically mm. is very much decoding financial so it's like learning what the story is telling you um, the other thing is that i realized i didn't want to be a lawyer I took a, a class in constitutional interpretation where for the final paper, you had to write a brief on the side you were assigned and it wasn't the side that I agreed with. And I was like, right. wait, I have to do that as a lawyer? Forget it, I'm not doing this. Okay. Um, I didn't want to be an academic because I, I, I'm not a scholar by nature. So I didn't want to write like third grade papers, um, second rate, you know, 18th century French poets. <laughs> it was just mm-hmm. like, you know, mm-hmm. I really like being grounded in, in the ever-changing real world, right? Yeah. Um, and the other thing is, I, my grandfather, my father's father, uh, had worked his way up from being a messenger boy, country hayseed from Tennessee, to a partner in a Wall Street firm, and had survived the crash, didn't believe in leverage, had survived the crash. So I grew up with stories around that. And for some reason, my mom also had a subscription to the American Association of Individual Investors. And they have this very like monthly thing they put out. And I'm a voracious reader. Like I'll read the back of cereal boxes, right? I just can't. I'm compulsive. So I would read those. And it's interesting. So I realized that there were, you know, a couple of career paths where I could leverage the experience I have and the pattern recognition I would develop, but also be always learning. Mm-hmm. That's a real, I'm a kind of continuous learner by, by nature. And so investigative journalism would have been one of them. And investing was the other because you 
leverage your experience, but the world is never the same. And whatever mm-hmm. you learn, you know, you learn about the behavior of bees or birds or whatever, there's always kind of a little insight that can help you. So I tried to find a job. It was hard because I didn't come from a normal kind of track, mm-hmm. but I, you know, met somebody who was a portfolio manager who was willing to hire me as, you know, kind of do everything and I'll teach old school apprenticeship basically. And then I took Mm -hmm. all the practical classes that I didn't take in college. I took them at night at Columbia and NYU at the New York Institute of Finance. So um, that was really how I got my start. I think it's a lot harder now to, to work that way. You know, Mm -hmm. back in 83, like, you know, the market had been terrible, right? Recession agent. I mean, it wasn't like the thing it is now. Like now mm-hmm, it's like, mm-hmm. you know, everyone wants to ooh, get rich quick and be in the market. It was really not like the, the career that, that the draw. Um, mm-hmm. So I think it so, was. So the, did you graduate from university and just have this insight that you, that because of all of these factors you just named, you, you wanted to be on Wall Street in some capacity? Um, I was interested in investing. I did start out, you know, within that kind of, all right, well, I'm done with school. What am I going to be doing now? So I didn't, can't say I had a cunning plan starting out, but I did want, so I was trying to, meeting people, trying to break into it. I did work in publishing for a year and then I got a job at a large insurance company called TIA Craft, which was uh, started by Andrew Carnegie to provide pension funds for teachers. So it was Mm. in the university space. It was kind of a nonprofit and it's, it was a BMS. And I actually found it really interesting. I was doing retirement counseling, benefits counseling. Mm-hmm. And I just found all that stuff interesting, you know, learning about mm-hmm. pensions and there are all these certifications and things that you do. Uh, and then I was given this opportunity to actually work directly with someone who was picking stocks. And that's, so I made that leap. So there's hope for everybody who doesn't know at the age of eight, uh-huh. that they're gonna, what they're going to be, that you can figure it out as you go along. Yeah. And as a kid, like speaking of age eight, like what did you want to be when you were a kid? Did you have any idea or, you know, what did you say when the, when they asked you at school, you know, like yeah. you have to have an answer. Yeah. yeah. You, you know what? Know. I have absolutely zero memory and I'm sure I was asked a lot, um, but I don't know. I think, so part of it is I grew up within a family that was running a business. So mm. for the first 10 years, my grand, my parents had a, uh, a rent-a-car franchise in the French Islands, in the Caribbean. So I grew up right in the middle of the business. I think that makes a difference when you grow up in a family that, that has a small business. Um, it kind of demystifies a lot of it. You realize a lot of it is just you never know what's going to happen. It's chaos and, you know, you're constant firefighting mode, basically. But it kind of, it doesn't, it's just... It's normalized a bit. It's like exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah. And then after that, my dad, my mom went to to work as a as an administrative assistant, and she ended up working for some, I think, real estate developers in Hawaii. Um, and then my dad started a typesetting and a business in a community newspaper. It was right at the time when, in the seventies, God, I'm so old. <laughs> like the old linotype machines were going out of, and you were doing cold, cold typesetting. Mm. And uh, so that was when technology was really, and all that stuff was starting. So he was doing that. So I was very, you know, I think I, there's a lot of small businesses, but I think it's sometimes I realize that it's, that had a much more formative experience on me than I realized that, you know, and I'm, I think having always been different, 
working mm-hmm. in a big, you know, working and TIAF was very big, but you know, it was just like a lot of that stuff where you get at one level that would determine the size of your cube and the materials of your desk or whatever, and you get promoted and it'd be a slightly bigger cube. I mean, it was just crazy. And I was like, wow, all this energy is going on to sort of measure hierarchy in in bizarre way. Mm-hmm. And, like, and, and mm-hmm. the entrepreneurial thing of, can we just get this done? Like, you know, what, yeah. you know, and, and so that's yeah, why yeah. I, I pretty much knew, you know, big working in a sort of big corporate was probably not, I'm just not really well suited for it, partly just because I'm not, you know, wired and uh, socialized for it, I guess, pretty feral. Yeah, so I think a a lot of people listening are on their own journey with money. Mm -hmm. And a lot of them are on a, a spiritual path of some kind, you know, creative business owners, spiritual business owners, or, you know, some, even some people who might still be in a day job, but kind of have a vision of something like that in the future. What, what have you, this is kind of a broad question, but we'll start here. What have you learned about money from all of these experiences and from, you know, touching, like your job was literally, you know, moving it around and and Mm -hmm. like, what can you maybe tell, like, I don't know, maybe the question is like, what can you tell us about the essence of money? Oh, okay. If you, if you have, Uh if you have an answer to that. Yeah. To me, money is just um, a tangible representation of energy, right? And I mean, it's really that simple. And I, I, and I think that money is not mysterious. Money shouldn't be fetishized or demonized. It, it mm-hmm. just is a thing. And I think, you know, understanding, understanding how money works, and I don't mean necessarily by, you know, how the banking system works or anything like that, but I think we can wrap up a lot. I mean, we can wrap up a lot of value judgments around money, both positively and negatively. I think societally, you know, with with um, capitalism being the way, you know, in a sort of post-industrialist world, right? There's a lot of things that money is worshipped or fetishized, or or and and it's also power, right? It's and so I think because of all of those things, it can make money pretty loaded because if you don't want mm-hmm. to be associated, you know, that wealth, right, in and of itself is value neutral, right? If you have wealth, you have, it's just dollars, right? And then it's like, what can you do with it? Right? You can do bad things or you can do good things with it, but mm-hmm. it's not, the money itself is not evil or good. It's it's kind of what do you do with the energy? And, yeah. and, and I think sometimes it's hard when, because think about it, I don't know, if you buy a lottery ticket and you win a lot of money right is that you could say well you didn't earn it right and if other people have capital and they invest in someone's idea and someone does the work but they needed the capital to do the work you could say well but that person didn't earn it you know but they did the same way that the person buying the lottery ticket did you know so it's it's just we can get into a lot of value judgments around that so I'm kind of going on a tangent yeah no I think this is so good even like inheritances too right we see that as judged in a certain way yeah yeah and but but almost underneath everything you were saying that last part I think was this idea of that you have to work hard for money yeah right 
you have to bust your ass you have to work 60 hours a week you have to which I think is a a big part of the right narrative right now and that if it just comes to you easily that's bad in some way or you didn't earn it which is an interesting thought and and I think it is really helpful to see it as this neutral entity because it is wrapped up in so you know and and so we put so much that meaning or we put so much we personify it almost in all these different ways in good ways that you know rich people are powerful in bad ways that rich people are evil and destroying the environment and etc cetera, etc cetera. and i really i actually listen to a podcast with Cara Lowenthal where she said, I'm really glad we have money because if we didn't, all the people with apple trees would just have to eat apples and all the people with chickens would just have to eat eggs. And it's, it's this, it's a tool, right. That allows for an exchange of goods in, you know, an equal way as, as best we can. And it is this neutral tool that can be used yeah and 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 then there is the complexity that we live in a white supremacy and we live Mm -hmm. in a patriarchy and we live and there are all these barriers to some people getting money that are real Mm -hmm. and so it's but it's not the money that's the problem right like within the the patriarchy that's a problem it's the white supremacy it's the ableism all of Right. All of these systems of oppression are the problem and money is this neutral thing that's kind of flowing through this maze or this, mm-hmm. <laughs> these systems. And sometimes it is being not well distributed or, you know, yeah. Yeah. There, there are barriers to certain people getting it or it's harder. Yeah. And it's still neutral like this. Yeah. It's just flowing through the maze. The maze is fucked. Right. Right. Uh, yeah. I think. I think you're 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 right to put it that way. I guess I'm just trying to think of an analogy because I mean, look, there's there's the income, you know, the income gap, which is just keeps getting ever widening, is is very real, right? The the systems that make it really hard for people who aren't already privileged right? It, it makes these obstacles very, and, and there's no denying that. And historically, it just seems to happen where you, you, you have, you know, a, a societal order that goes until it's just not sustainable anymore because there's too much suffering. And, and then the, the order gets, there's, gets changed. There's enough people. So, you know, you're right that it's not money is to blame for that. It's like human beings are to blame for that, right? And money is the kind of, it's just a shorthand. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. a, uh, I think learning how to manage it but by not having the, the emotional load around it allows you to manage it so you, it can work for you, right? And you can also use it as a means for for good or for redress or for, or for setting. But I think your idea, what you had mentioned earlier too, about we have this idea that like earning money has to be hard, right? And I think, I mean, generally speaking, it, it is, right? At the very basic level, you're trading time and labor 
for for compensation. And depending on what's involved, it can be not subsistence wages, right? I mean, it can be, you know, it can be a real problem. I think at the level where what happens, I think if you if you are your own business owner, so I'll I'll do that as opposed to you're working mm-hmm. with very clear. Mm-hmm. So if you're creating your own business, your own ecosystem, it is not going to be you're going to have to put effort into it, right? But effort doesn't have to be hard. Effort doesn't have to be punitive, right? We right. don't have this Puritan idea that it has to mm. be, mis- you don't have to be miserable while you're working, while you're working mm. hard even, right? So, you know, I, I think that's the, and that's where when you're in alignment with what you do, it's very different. And when you're also in sync with yourself and you can have grace that allows for rest, that allows for for right uh, a not a constant kind of you know, like a much more than a sort of natural cycles that you would have in in nature that you also have in business so rather than a linear kind of this is a very you know linear growth 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 right and time being really you know that you have a more circular way allows you mm-hmm. to sort of, and and thinking about it as a whole ecosystem because like on wall street there was this idea that you know, management companies should only make their decisions to benefit the shareholders. Right, 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 right. And shareholder value was everything. And it just made me insane because every business is an ecosystem. You have people who work within it, you have your customers, you have your vendors, right? You have, so there's a, it's a, it's a whole, and if you just serve the shareholder, you're going to make shitty business decisions at the expense of your customers. That's not good for your business long-term. At the expense for your of your employees. employees. Yeah. Terrible, right? So it's kind of like, yes, shareholders, are, but but if, if you're going to define, it, you just have to be much more sort of sophisticated about how you, and short-term versus long-term thinking, right? Quarterly results, the market, right. other investors, very short-term thinking. 10 years. Not good. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, but but this idea that, that if money com, comes easily, you know, you might, it's kind of like if you're, I don't know, gold mining or something and you're mining, 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 and it's probably a terrible example because it's, gold mining is very hard for the environment, but you know, you're mining, 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 and then all of a sudden you're like, boom, you find a vein mm-hmm. and the mining for that vein might be very easy, right? Mm-hmm. But think of all the work that went before that of mm-hmm figuring stuff out, prospecting, mining, mining with no results. So sometimes when it comes easily, I don't know, you, you, you create a product that's just like goes viral, sells like hotcakes, right? You think, oh, it shouldn't be this easy. But yeah. meanwhile, you forget about all the other, all that other time and investment that you made. And, you know, you're not spreading the return of that easy part over all the, the effort. But I also think that effort, money, work is joy. Work can be like a lot of fun. Yeah. And, you yeah. Know, and then the making the money part is just the energy ex- exchange of what you've, what, what, what you've produced and delivered for the other person. Yeah. Yeah. I, one of the analogies with the alignment thing about business, it's like if you're lifting weights in the gym, or I do this kind of dance where I like lift human beings. Mm -hmm. If I'm in alignment, I can actually, although I haven't been doing as much during the lockdown and everything, but, Uh uh but I can lift a 
200 pound human on my shoulder uh-huh. when I'm in alignment and they're in alignment. I can't uh-huh. lift any human who doesn't have dance training, but if they have the yeah. same training as me, uh-huh. because our bones are stacked and it, right. and it's a momentum and, and it's so much fun. I love it. Mm-hmm. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's, it is heavy, it's quote work, you know, lifting right. someone 200 pound on my shoulder, it's work, but it's fun. And when it's in alignment, it feels good. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And so I think that's the same. You can make money through effort mm-hmm. that feels good. Or, mm-hmm. you know, I've definitely, I actually have a, a shoulder in- injury that I'm still nursing, you know, years later of a time when I lifted someone who didn't have quite enough training and who rolled off instead of, you know, yeah. Yeah. And, and there's an injury there and, and it's like, we can make money in these more aligned ways that feel good. And we can also make money in these ways where our muscles are out of the alignment and we're Mm -hmm. more prone to injury and, Mm -hmm. and it's more tight. It's more, effortful and it feels more punitive which somehow we're taught that's how it's supposed to be you know I think I think I think maybe part of the explanation is like the school system is like you follow the rules and you do what the teacher say says and you do the teacher's bidding Mm -hmm. and if the teacher is happy you get the good mark Mm -hmm. so we learn that that's how we get a good mark that's how we get money you know like follow the rules mm-hmm. and do mm-hmm. and be here from nine to three, right. you know, like, and sit in your chair and only go pee when. Right. Yeah. And that really works against. So, you know, generally speaking, it's easier for, for girls to, to sit still. And, and again, these are gross gender generalizations, right. But the educational system, the modern developed for, you know, to produce factory workers, right? Also, uh, you know, is especially now you have less and less recess or whatever, right? So there's less of that motor need that gets met. Yeah. Then the girls go out into the world and they think that in in corporate America or corporate, you know, corporate global corporate, that if I'm a good girl, yes. and I do what I'm told and I don't yes. make a fuss, I'm going to be rewarded. My work will be recognized, rec- recognized for it and I'll be, and I'll be compensated for it because that's what's fair and the world is fair. And the exploitation of the insecure overachievers, right, Right. is legendary. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, it's a a compensation strategy on Wall Street, you know, by the big banks. So, yeah, and and it really, yeah, it's, it's a problem. And the thing with business too, right, so this is part of the, the when you feel comfortable fully expressing yourself and being fully yourself even if people think it's weird and I was obviously working in a very male-dominated very conservative field you become memorable right Mm. I mean you still have to be competent you still have to be (laughs) you still have to deliver the goods Mm. right Mm -hmm. it's not enough to be a personality you actually have to walk the walk but it makes you memorable and it makes you free I think and it's really hard for everybody, men and women. I think it could be harder for women who get frustrated and don't assert, you know, you've got a lot of stuff again, you're not given the opportunity. I mean, there's a system stacked against you 
And if you're a person mm -hmm. of color as well, right? Mm -hmm. But so you're not given the opportunities and over a lifetime career, the compounding of not being given offered opportunities, right? Because uh, there's, yeah, there's some interesting studies that have come out recently around that too. So it's less about the sort of specific wage gap, job to job, and much more about the opportunity set. But I think if you're doing your own business, and I, I see people who, who struggle a lot with this, there's a lot of really, I think, the people who don't do business don't really know business. And we have to be careful about who we, whose advice, whose oh voices we let in our ear. Yeah. Right? right? Everyone, when you start a business, everyone who doesn't have a business will know exactly what you should do to make it work. Exactly. exactly. And at the beginning, you know, when I started my business, I was like, okay, yeah, I'll listen to Joe Schmo and this yeah. relative yeah. and, you know, everyone's opinion yeah. and advice. And eventually I had to be like, oh, I need to listen to business owners. Right. And right. Right. that is the biggest thing in life is because particularly, see, this is funny because I, 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 I know someone who's like a wonderful investor and, and he's, he's teaching like novice investors. He's real passionate about people learning how to, how to, how to invest, how to steward the capital and, and, and build generational wealth right people who are like him immigrants and, and people are. and uh but so he's super confident sphere right but when you go through and you and it's something that you don't know about right you're much more vulnerable to getting input from people who aren't aren't credible yeah. so vulnerable because you're like you don't know and so so i'm like but but dude you know does you know he might be an orthopedic surgeon but what does he know about marketing an online course yeah does he know more or less than you uh right yeah you know? and because so it's yes so rule number one is <laughs> is assess the credibility of of your source right for, yeah. for for advice um and the other thing too is and i think i think seth Godin, i'm a huge seth Godin fan and and just his whole purple cow idea right you're gonna be mm -hmm. out in the field you see all the field filled with black and white cows you're gonna pay attention to the purple one mm -hmm. and but you know, in order to be the purple one, you have to be the purple one, right? Right. You can't pretend to be the purple one. You if can't pretend to be the purple one. If you're yeah. a pink cow, you have to be a pink cow. Right. Yeah. And and you also, if you have to not be afraid for people to, to show see you. your yeah your true yeah. colors. Yeah. yeah. And it's really hard to embrace our our freak flag and to to fly high. But I and I think that when you can go through. Well, you can run your business with that freedom where like you're, I know you're a trauma-informed witch, right? Mm -hmm. That's like, that's memorable. Right. And I actually watched the, the coaching session with Sunny. Oh yeah. Where I got before I even knew that. you, you know, oh, wow. cool. and, 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 and I saw it kind of land, but like you, that's you, you own it. That's you that, and, and it's memorable, right? So if I run across, you know, I, I meet somebody and, you know, they need, they need some help. And I know, I know just a trauma informed witch for you because you're also a witch <laughs> and you want to work on your trauma, say, right. Yeah, Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. But like you, but it's scary to go out in the world and say, announce yourself as I'm a trauma informed witch. Totally. Cause there's all sorts of people who are like, Oh no, that's not professional. Oh no. You know, you, you yeah. should say, you know, whatever. Coach. Right. Yeah. Coach, just or, say a coach. Yeah. 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 Or hide whatever. But the thing is, it's like, you feel much better 
because you go through the world as a trauma informed tool. You know, you're being yourself and you're drawing mm-hmm. the other people who are attracted to you. And those who think it's weird and crazy, you're not going to want to work with, you'll be less effective with because your methods yeah. are those of a trauma informed witch. Yeah. Highly competent, highly effective, right? Yeah. Not going to work for somebody who's like, you know, who thinks that. It's witches. It's witches. <laughs> thinks trauma is like overblown, whatever. Right, right. right. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. And I wanted to, to circle back to kind of emphasize one thing you said earlier, which is that, you know, the ecosystem of the business and even, you know, some businesses have like a, I can't remember, it's like a quadruple bottom line or something. It's like, Mm. there's the money bottom line, but then what are, what are the what's the environmental bottom line or what's the social impact bottom line. And it seems like you were like, I guess, I guess it's okay. This is crystallizing for me. It's like the evil money is like when we only consider money, like when you were saying we only consider shareholder return and we don't Mm -hmm. think about anything else, like that isn't a system I want to support. Right. Right. But when it's like money is a bottom line, you can't, your business would have failed if you didn't think about shareholder return at all. And you just invested in businesses that were, had a good social impact, but had mm-hmm. no legs in terms of generating money for the shareholders. But there is something about that looking at. Yeah. Yeah. Whole, like it's like holistic. Yeah. Money management. <laughs> yeah. Well, I just, I mean, you sort of triggered a, triggered a thought here, right? So you have, you can have a form of business, running business that's extractive, right? Where my profit, so this is where I think a lot of the sort of money is evil comes from, that somehow profitability is evil, that it's it's been which it can be, but it, that's not it, a direct if it's line. Com- yeah, if it's completely extractive, sure, it can be. But I think if you have the thing about profits, right, is that it, they're kind of 100% discretionary, assuming that you're not losing money, all right? So let's just go that you have a business. The business makes X widgets. And you have, you know, you make... 10% after you pay taxes and everything else. So that's your profit and your net profit, right? But it's completely discretionary. You could have zero profits. You could have that money that's left over after you pay all your expenses, right? Could be reinvested, could be reinvested in the environment, could be reinvested in, in, in labor, could be reinvested in all sorts of things, right? So we think of if it's a profitable enterprise, right? It must be terrible. And yet there are a lot of, Unprofit, non-profits that are toxic workplaces, mm-hmm. right? very poorly run, right? Where there's a lot of waste and a lot of inefficiency, right? But hey, we're nonprofit. Just, so right? we're good. So yeah. we're good, right? But, but yet it's like, yeah. but, it, but you know, it's like, you're going to define profitability, which as I said, is completely discretionary. I can run a business. So it's not profitable, but it's healthy, Mm-hmm. Right, because I'm not losing money. I'm just let's just say, you know, right? It's kind of depends on it. But 
And, and so I think we can have these sort of black and white distinctions that really, okay. I think whenever we give up gray in the world, we do the world a disservice because the life is just much more nuanced and complicated than that. So I, I, I think... I think the idea of if you have an unprofitable, by which I mean not discretionarily break even, but like where you're losing money, right? It's kind of like, and back to money being energy, right? It's not, um, it's not sustainable. It's not generative. And it's kind of like, like, like you're losing your health, right? Mm -hmm. So you're, you're becoming more and more unhealthy and weaker and weaker, right? So mm -hmm. I guess my point is that, that if you want to do good in the world, you need to learn to run a business and you have a business, you need to learn how to run it profitably in alignment so that you are not giving up your lifeblood, right? right. That, it, that, that, that there's, a, there's a healthy feedback loop. And that the energy that's being, you're generating life force. Ah, you're not generating, you're not drawing away sick force, yeah. right? Yeah, and yeah, then yeah. what you choose to do with that, right? Because if I have the energy of I bake a cake, right? And I sell the cake, I get paid for the ingredients that I afford. I paid for the ingredients, I get paid for my labor, right? And I get paid for the overhead of the accounting and legal, whatever it takes to run the business, the software, right? And then why wouldn't you have to get paid for the genius part of it, for holding the field that allows for the creation of cake, for, for you yeah, to, be able the to order a cake for your birthday, the, right? Yeah, the genius, yeah. right? Yeah. That piece of it. Because then with those profits, because that's hard to pin a label to, because you can't say that's what you paid for flour. You say, this yeah, is yeah. my artistry, or this is yeah. the fact that I put my energy in this thing to create an ecosystem that allows for the generation of like beautiful cakes, mm -hmm. right? That like life force field needs an acknowledgement, needs, needs a, to be sustained, right? And if that's what the profits do, that's like, the, I think that's a, a better way to think about it, right? Rather than like, oh, I should have zero profit. Yes, sure. Pay my pay me for my labor, pay for the overhead, pay for the flower, but you should have no profit. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. What the fuck is that about? Mm -hmm. Right? Yeah, it's like because you're gonna determine like what my you know like you're gonna and I'm taking the risk of doing this. I'm the one who has the responsibility of employees. I'm the one who has a lease. Yeah, but I should have no profit. Yeah. You see, like I'm creating. It's much more complicated, but it's easy to sort of say, well. You know, you shouldn't, but it's, it's, you got to get paid for that, that spell casting. And the, and the, the risk taking Absolutely. of it all, uh -huh. you know, of, of signing the lease and not knowing how many cakes you're going to sell and, you know, exactly. doing your all best that. to get all of that out. Yeah. yeah. And now you may decide, so let's just say you've got, you know, a hundred thousand dollars left over, you know, to, to, that represents holding the field, casting the spell, your genius, like all the stuff that you can put mm -hmm. a tangible accounting label to, right? Mm -hmm. Then you can decide what to do with that. You can rest, that allows you to create more genius, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. You can mm -hmm. reinvest it in the business. You can support charities. You can do, you know, right? You're working with farmers so that they're developing 
you know, old grains or acorns. Like maybe you're like really start working on using acorn flour in your baking because mm -hmm. that's good on so many different levels. Do you see what I mean? But mm -hmm. like, I think, I think people can get like super. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of, I have kind of it. vindictive selves, very judgy. So, so I apologize, but it's kind no, of but like, I think there's, there's a misunderstanding of what, like just yeah. how much life force goes into this. And how yeah. just because you can't label it doesn't mean that that like that that it shouldn't come to you like it should be punitive like I, you do all of this, but you should not make a penny of profit. Yeah, why yeah. you're yeah. buying a cake, a beautiful cake that you want. I'm making it possible for you. Why are you being such a dick to me? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like there's, like, there is some of that kind of energy out there in the world around that. And I think yeah. for, for business owners with a heart and a conscience, right? It can really feel like a character assassination, but yet I'm like, wait, you're letting trolls of a different kind of trolls. It's called an economic trolls. I don't know what, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, let them make cake. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I don't, I mean, I, I'm not no, expressing myself I, really well. I'm sorry, but it's no, just you like. No, you are, you are. I think there's two, I'm seeing two layers. I think there's this being paid for the unseen. Yeah. There's something in the ether that's happening that sometimes people will say, why, why do I have to pay for this thing in the ether that I can't see? Right. And then I, I think the other side that, I, that I'm still figuring out and maybe you have some insight into is there's this idea of the good activist. Right. And the good activist is anti-capitalist and rejects money on some level and right. rejects profit. Like this thing that you're talking about, like there shouldn't be right. profit. And, you know, I was so, I think I was so deeply <laughs> entrenched in the, this good mm -hmm. activist mm -hmm. culture that I didn't even see it until I started, you know, hearing things like people say, well, who, who do you want to have the money? Like, if you don't want any money, then who do you think that money is going to? And right. money represents power. And why are you, so why are you rejecting power when you have maybe Mm -hmm. some good ideas about how to make the world a better place and, right and that's I was like oh like I was so <laughs> deeply swimming in that water mm. that I couldn't that it that it was like revolutionary and Rachel Rogers book we should all be millionaires was like revolutionary I was like uh -huh. what? you know you uh -huh. can be an activist and have money and then have money to invest in causes you care about like Right. You know, my brain was exploding, but I still haven't figured out. And maybe you have some insight onto this. Like, where does this narrative of the good activist being poor come from? Do you have, do you have any insight? Wow. That is a really good question. Um, so I think if you're, you know, I think part of it is that if you're, it's a kind of David and Goliath setup, right? Mm. And you know, it's hard to be against a man if you are the man, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and, and, and yet, you, and you see all the contempt around people who are, you know, trust fund babies and activists, right? And they're like, but, but, but you have money, you know, so therefore, like, mm -hmm, your activism mm -hmm. somehow is more suspect, suspect, because, you know, I don't know, you didn't suffer in the trenches with us or something. I, I don't know. But that's, I, I mean, I think that there, we, that that feral capitalism is fucked up and, and broken, 
right? We yeah. need we yeah. need other models. Yeah. We need yes. other ways to coexist to, to coexist with each other and on the planet in a way that we don't, you know, we've already yeah. are already too late to I think prevent our ruin as a species. But um, right. So so and and anything that we can do personally to to help with that. And um and if, if it does mean, you know, if there are collective decisions about people choosing to live certain ways where you're not consuming or you're making conscious effort to sort of consume less or, or right, or, or the kinds of materials that you use or, you know, small decisions, right, from buying bulk items to big decisions where you could, you know, live communally on a farm in a utopian community. There's a lot of stuff like that. But I think that it's somehow more noble if you lead, you know, if, if you, it's, it's kind of a weird thing of like the sort of the self-sacrifice and self and deprivation mm-hmm. is somehow noble, noble. Right. And I think it's like anything, right. If, if something is out of harmony, it's questionable. So if my goodness for the world comes at the expense of my health as a human being, is that being in right relation? Yeah. Right? Because so sometimes, I mean, there's martyrdom, that's martyrdom, right? That might change the world, might not change the world. But it's kind of like, if you honor the- But it's like incessant martyrdom too. You know, it's not like this one time- I think there's a difference between, because I get that energy, I get an energetic pull when you say you're, you know, if you have no profitability or you're, or you're, you know, losing money, that there's this life force draining, right? Like there's a difference between that draining and, and that can happen in, that can happen in, in a day job and that can happen Mm -hmm. in a business, you know, even if you're in a day job and you're just not getting paid for what, what you were saying earlier, where, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes women go in and they're the good girl and they work their asses off and they don't ask, they don't, they aren't assertive and they right. don't ask for the promotion. Like that can be a draining versus the martyrdom that is standing up for what you believe in, but from a, from a place of being full right. and right. Ri- taking right. a risk, like mm-hmm. there's this energetic, like, but this one, I feel like energy coming up from the earth to support right, me right. and me taking a stand and maybe getting, you know, some people not liking me and it, and even, you know, to tie it all back, it's like, even me saying I'm a trauma informed, witch, yeah, is me taking a stand for women and power and, mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and being willing to have people not like me or misunderstand me because right. they don't like that word and what it associated with versus I think what I used to do which was more of this overworking overgiving right my energy dispersing everywhere but but me and that was a fine that was you know there was a financial layer of that and there was Mm -hmm. an energetic layer of that you don't if you're in an abusive relationship with your cause interesting language yeah how is that good yeah. How is that good for you? How is that good for your cause? Yeah. Right? Because I think 
if you're not in a healthy relationship, and look, I mean, righteous anger is a, a very powerful force. Yeah, that's right? good. I don't and think we want to do that. Yeah. I don't but if you're immolating yourself on your rage, I don't think that's going to help your cause because you're going to literally burn out, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know, spontaneously combust. And also when you create, when you want better things, when you want more love, more social justice, when you want like things to be better for humans in the world, right? If you're in a place where you're whole or fed, where you're, yeah. you're not like, Anemic you're nourished. Or, or yeah. You're nourished. Yeah, that's the great, that's the word I was searching for. Your capacity to, to feed that and to have it be like a like a like a healthy growing thing yeah. is is there. I mean, because if the pattern of dysfunction, right? If you just look at the pattern, the fractal of behavior, the fractal of where the energy is going and where is it coming in, right? If you look at that and you remove all the context right? That you're doing this for a cause versus you're doing this for, because you're, I don't know, you want to, you're young. Or to take care of your family or your kid or whatever. Yeah. There are so many yeah. reasons. I mean, there are things that we make sacrifices that are very real at our own expense and we do it willingly, lovingly, and we do it, you know, right. for community. Yeah. But I think that's, what's important is to look at the pattern, the fractal yeah. And see whether that the energetic is right. good. Yeah, the energetic fractal, like whatever that gearing is first and foremost. And never mind whether it's in the service of something evil or something good. If yeah. that pattern is unhealthy, it's just unhealthy, period. Right. And it just perpetuates, you know, when I think about yeah. like yeah. one of my nonprofit jobs where my boss would overwork right. for the quote unquote for the cause and then but then get, it was kind of like, okay, well, I better over, she's the leader. Yeah. yeah. So then it was creating this culture right. of overworking. And that's not, that's not healthy. That wasn't like good if, for if, me. Yeah. And, and then wasn't good ultimately for the clients yeah. and the yeah. youth that we were working with, because if we're under resourced and we're leading something, that's going to. Yeah. And you're burnt out them. and you're not, you know, your, your life force isn't, you're at like 40% instead of a hundred percent. I mean, it's interesting because a lot of the high paying, you know, investment banking training programs or uh, lawyers are very, you know, that handful mm -hmm. of very prestigious firms and stuff, right? And normally they get paid a lot, but when you divide by the actual hours worked, yeah, right? Not so much at all, in fact, right? And But part of that is kind of the gating factor for, I mean, since so it's, it's a weird kind of, right? How do you, because they're billing out the labor, they're, they're, the firm is making money off the labor arbitrage, right? Mm -hmm. And then the whole idea, I don't know where I'm going with this, but the whole idea, right, is that people make up their way through through that, like you, yeah. it's the same way in like medicine, right, where you, you like residents and, and mm -hmm. uh, you know, fellows are like paid poor and they're, they're worked to death, Right. Yeah, so yeah, like, yeah, like, yeah. it's like, maybe we can yeah, fix that system. That would be better. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, but, um, and then part of it is then you survive and then you get to prive to, to, you get to profit off of, you know, that kind the of younger thing. generation. Yeah. So, so it's interesting. Like, how can you create a system that's like, 
you know, your patients suffer because you've gone 72 hours without sleep, right? Your health is broken because you've got like, what is this hazing? Like, what is this? Like, how does that do? Right. And the same thing with the banking, a lot of that is they're sitting around and they just, you know, so, you know, those are the kinds of things that would be good to fix about like what's wrong with capitalism, you know, that, yeah, it's interesting. I have to think about that. Yeah. And I think also what, is opening up for me around my question around the, the mm-hmm. good activist and poverty is like, it, it, I think it is that black and white thinking that like, there is a man that we're right. fighting. Right. Whereas like, you know, I've been on a whole journey with my activism, uh-huh. you know, like of different phases of, you know, feeling guilty and, and then, yeah, um, feeling really angry and righteous and it's continuing to evolve. And I think the teachers in my activist work, the teachers who I wanna follow now have this nuance. It's not us versus them. It's not that men are evil or white people are evil or, you know, it's more nuanced, the man Mm -hmm. is evil. It's more nuanced, it's the system every even in the patriarchy men are getting hurt in a different way Mm -hmm. than women versus you know non-binary like Mm -hmm. we're all it's a bad system for everyone and there's a nuance to it where it's this like has this historical component and then we each have individual responsibility and where are we and 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 having compassion for people who maybe haven't been exposed to Mm. you know like if I think about patriarchy yeah maybe there's a man that's going to say something ignorant to me and I can scream at him right Right. or I can say where did you hear that or ask Mm -hmm. you know there's right there's a way that I can still not you know not shrink because like that's the old way of just oh oh he's right because he's a man but to to engage in a way that's non-shaming and non-hating the person but saying hey I think you're maybe misunderstanding a piece Mm -hmm. here or Mm -hmm. or why you know even the jokes right it's like why do you know when people make like an offensive joke to say oh what do you mean by that and then they Mm -hmm. explain the joke and then they're like oh then they see the Mm -hmm. right right what they're really saying and then they're like oh that's so it's, uh, yeah, that's what I'm getting is that it's like this level of nuance that like money is not evil. The, there is no man. Who's the right, man? Right, right. And it's Who also hating. Yeah. yeah. And if you build, if you build models, if you try to create like in your own ecosystem, this is why I think it's so important. And this is why I love working with people around their businesses is that if you create the sort of a healthy ecosystem and you're trying to create a different model, right? And if that were like to replicate around, like it would be a very different relationship to to all parts, to the earth, you know, and to other people. So like, I, I think that's why you have to try to sort of build it yourself. And that's what I'm saying about like trying to come up with with other models. Um, that are that are yeah and that's yeah you had you know you started with your anti-wall street wall street yeah yeah yeah. firm and now you're in this new this next 
level of business or you're in, yeah. yeah you're you're doing it again in a different way yeah and it, it's interesting and I think more and more people are questioning that I have a friend who's a landscape architect who's actually changed her business model completely to try to because it can be very transactional and high and and not the projects are short term and, and very mm-hmm, transactional mm-hmm. and without the sort of more holistic view of you know obviously in relationship to 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 the environment as well and, and what's possible and so I, I I think yeah I think actually that's a good place to be thinking about how can you have a model where you can run a business and you can run it in a way that works with you know, is in good, right relationship with the earth and in right relationship with larger society. But in a way, if you do that right, and if everybody, if everybody like cultivates their garden, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, in a more sustainable way, right? Or with a lot of native pollinator <laughs> plants or whatever, right? Or grows their own food. Do you see what I mean? Like if we change those relationships, but we change them. It's a small ripples spread, Right, Widely, but then, it, but then, then you see things. your neighbor and you're like, yeah. oh, they have this native tree and it's gorgeous. Well, I'll get one, you know, it's like. Yeah, yeah, I could spread. I, I think there's someone, you know, because the thing with taking big systems down is it happens. Historically, it happens. It takes, it's usually very painful and very, uh, comes at a great sort of deal of, of suffering all around. And, you know, we are kind of at an interesting point just with this sort of last big economic cycle, you know, the last mm-hmm. 30 years or so. And yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. And yeah. people are leaving the workforce and starting businesses. And yeah. yeah, there yeah. Is a, there, we're, we're in the midst of a shift and yeah, there is, there are some people who are really good at going within working in the system and changing it from the inside out. And then there's, people who are more skilled at being on the periphery and creating a new vision, creating their own businesses, employee, you know, like I love Rachel Rogers as a model where it's like she as a mixed race, like half black, half white woman, there was no law job for her that she wanted, you know, that Mm -hmm. there was no, she felt that, that, there wasn't a good job for her in the corporate world. And so she has now like created a corporation and one of her values is Mm -hmm. creating an amazing workplace for employees Mm -hmm. with Mm -hmm. diverse backgrounds. Mm And so, you know, instead of trying to fix, sometimes some people are good at fixing the system from within. And then some of us are more meant to create something new, build something new. Yeah. Yeah. Do that. Yeah. I, um, I'm aware of her. I haven't read her book. I, you know, I, I see, see her things, but I will, and she's in Greensboro, I think, which I live in Durham. So oh, Greensboro is about, about an hour away. And uh, so I will read that book because it sounds, it sounds really, it's uh, really good. good. I, yeah. Well, I loved it and it blew my mind. Um, this is amazing. This was so, you know, I think this was such a nuance and yeah, kind of, deep conversation but I think people are going to get so much out of this exploration of money and capitalism and systems and starting to hopefully take 
the emotional charge or, or to try to peel back the, where do these charges come from? Right. Yeah. And do, do they always make sense? So, so maybe I, I, I think what I'm understanding your worldview and, and you can tell me if I'm getting this right is like each individual getting into an environment where you're being nourished and then from there growing and helping you know I I think it's um yeah I think the idea is that you have there's a capacity for the like if you think of it as like an aquifer right so you've got rainfall and it goes through gets filtered through the ground and fills the aquifer and then the aquifer gets tapped to water the crops, right? Mm-hmm. That like, that model works. If you cover up a lot of the ground so the water doesn't get filtered out and the, and the water runs off and goes you know, down the river and out to the sea. If you use up more water than there is water coming in, the aquifer will run dry. Mm-hmm. Then you, the crops will die. Mm-hmm. And I think we need to think of I am lives. an aquifer. You I'm are an aquifer. aquifer. Right. Ah. And if we run our businesses, because it's so easy, again, for so many different reasons, right? And part of it's desire, like, you know, you get like, woo, you want to go, mm-hmm. go, go, right? Like learning how to rest is something that's very foreign to many of us, right? Mm-hmm. And feeling okay with inaction, right? Because it feels uncomfortable. And then you just back from, okay, well, what are you running from? Right, that you can't just be, right? So we all have to cultivate the beingness. But I think our businesses need to be in right, we need to be in that right relation. So if you're an activist, right? Mm-hmm. How, do, how can you be a, a well, a replenished, replenishable aquifer? Mm-hmm. If you put out yeah, too much water. For the long term. Yeah, you're I not feel like. Be there, right? Yeah. And, and part of that means, well, you need to eat, you need to sleep. You need to be in healthy, you know, energetic relationships. Yeah. And what does and what does that look like? And look, our society can make it really hard to 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 get those functions or to create the business that allow you to have those functions, right? And there will be crises and there will be all sorts of things. And it's just because the world is ever changing, and that's the only thing that's constant is everything right. changes. Your own ecosystem and the ecosystem in which it operates, and you have to be willing to change with it. But at the end of the day, you have to go through life thinking of aquifer management. <laughs> yeah. And, you know, when I was, you know, I went through a phase where I was a career burnout coach on my, uh-huh. you know, all my, uh-huh. all my titles I've tried uh-huh. on. And when I was working with a lot of people with burnout, which I still do, but now I'm a trauma informed witch. So it's more fun, <laughs> you know, it's more fun work, but yeah, I would talk a lot about like, this is a, this, it, it, we're in a fight. It's true, but this is, but let's think of the 30 year right. of a fight right. or the 50 right. next 50 years. What decision can you make today right. that is going to help us in the fight over the next 50 years? Because yeah, maybe yeah. if you do all this work today, there'll be more work done tomorrow, but what's going to happen in a year if you're overworking? Right. Right. every day all day we want we we're going to need you in a decade so what yeah. what decision can you make now that's going to make sure you're resourced to keep helping right 
a decade from now. And the other thing too is that the back here when we first started out, where like it's <laughs> about like that money can be easy and that we think there's something wrong if it's easy. It's just the same way that like that it's not more noble or more effective, you know, if you're bleeding yourself dry. Yeah. It's just not like we don't we need to stop glorifying that. And yeah. and that if it's fun. And, and it can be easy, even the tough work, right? And you're resourced. It's just like you can go through life without being fucking miserable. Like if you're miserable for a good cause, that's just as messed up as being miserable for a less good cause. Because the being miserable part shouldn't be the price of admission to being human. Yeah. Because there's plenty yeah. of stuff that will make us miserable or that you know what I mean right I mean life is not all unicorns and roses okay fine but if you're pursuing yeah. misery yeah if you believe that misery is how noble the path yeah. is noble yeah. then then that's a myth that's worth busting yeah and that's yeah that's maybe some sort of I mean, you could be the happy internalized social justice warrior you know what yes, i mean like you can yes. be the rested social you know yes there's always more work to be done but there's always more work to be done about everything in life too yeah. right yeah. so i don't know I, I just feel like that cultivating that capacity is i feel like the best thing we can do for our society yeah. across the board because that's what's going to allow us the bandwidth to come up with new ideas with new models that's what's going to give us the energy over the long haul to be able to sort of do work over the long haul and think more creatively. You know? Totally. Totally. Yes. Okay. You are a genius. We are both geniuses. <laughs> this was a genius conversation. I think people are <laughs> going to get so much out of it. It's not a how-to conversation at all, which is great, I think, to really get underneath all of the how-to and see what is running our current how-to and yeah. see if it yeah. needs adjustment yeah. and shift so yeah now this is going to start me I, I need to do a lot more reading around 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 things because um, on the the evolution of, of these economic models too you know just thinking about it right because when does capital get over do you overpay for capital gets a higher return than it should get right relative to say labor or other things it's it's like where is the value created and where should the returns how should the returns be allocated because i think there's a kind of return allocation problem and back to our thing about the accounts not having a label for like the magic and holding the field and taking mm -hmm. the risk and all of those intangibles right mm -hmm. that is really easy to say that that really profit represents a return on that to some extent too mm -hmm. you know um anyway yeah so, so a lot of food for thought um i for, love for, it for, for me i'll let you know if, uh, yeah, yeah we will do a part two in six months or something <laughs> and we'll go good. we'll do another layer so if people want to stay in touch with you or hear about your coaching how can they get connected to you so everywhere, not everywhere very effectively. <laughs> but, uh, I'm on Twitter as Mariko Gordon CFA. I'm on Facebook as Mariko Gordon and Instagram and LinkedIn also. So that's it. the one advantage about having an unusual name is <laughs> I'm pretty easy to find, actually. Uh, and I also I also um, print in medium as well. I'm not print published, you know, post in oh, medium cool. as well, too. So 
and, and my website and my website is mariko.gordon.com too. Oh, yeah. and actually, let me just I do have a downloadable PDF. It's a free copy of a a book that I published. It's a collection of sort of their investment essays. They were I would do these monthly essays that are that are not filled with jargon at all, but are like little <laughs> mini investment kind of epiphanies or thoughts or mm. things like that. So if you go to my website, marikogort.com under publication, it's called Eight Times Up. And um, if if you, you know, if you want to learn more about investing in the markets, it was really sort of from my perspective as a, as a stock picker. Uh, so it's more talking about the market than about money or business in general, but uh but it there's a lot of war stories in there so uh mm. if, if you if you have money in the market and, and you're curious to see what life was like from the trenches um yeah. I, I try to make them fun and they're they're fairly short 800 1200 words something like that so people seem to like them I love that okay so we'll we'll link everything in the show notes so if people are interested in connecting with you in one way or another they know where to find you well great thank you thank you so much for having me I really enjoyed this this is uh, you know I, I just realized like I have to stop saying feral capitalism is broken and start coming up with and here are some alternatives <laughs> models. Right. so so I, I feel like all right I gotta stop talking and start like actually no I, th- stuff. I think <laughs> I mean I think it's great to acknowledge the systems that are broken because there are many and that's a big part of mm-hmm. like awareness is always the first step for change mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. being aware yeah. of the systems being broken and then what as our awareness builds we can say okay where do we go from here yeah what's yeah. next so absolutely i love awesome. it okay thank Great. you so much yeah uh, thanks everyone for listening and i will talk to you in a few weeks If you resonated with this episode, I want to offer you a free private one-hour consultation with me. Through doing the deep inner work, my clients have been able to do things like quit the job they hate and land a job they love, or get their first paying clients in their dream business, and if they're a little bit further down the road, double their revenue. They've been able to fall in love and go to bed each night feeling satisfied and accomplished. In the consultation, we'll talk about what your dream looks like, what's getting in the way, and whether working together can help. Email me at brin at brinbamber.com to book.